Let's get started. We, remember, <clears throat> we started this series of lessons dealing with uh, about awakening to righteousness. Now, let me just continue to do what? To review uh, what we've been speaking of. Let's go back to uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 33 and 34 so that we can get a, a glimpse of understanding about what it means to be awakened to righteousness. Now, that's the theme of the, the, theme of the year is for us to be awakened. So we said the word awakened means what? what anyone know the word awakened? To do what? To, to arouse one what? understanding. So we are talking about arousing your understanding to the place where your thinking is on a whole different level now as a believer. Amen? And so notice this. In verse 33 it says, be not deceived. Evil communication corrupts good manners. So now you have to be mindful. At one time you were not mindful of evil communication. Okay, what is evil communication? Anything that just got nothing but self full of pride, arrogant, and etc. Amen. So evil communication corrupts good manners. Okay, meaning you know uh, I could be on the job being a witness to someone, or you may be working on someone that's you know that's evil that got evil tendency. Well, you can't hardly do much of anything about that. But, you know, once we're off from work or whatnot, now you have a decision to make whether you're going to hang out with this person all evening or what. Can you understand what I'm saying? And so, good morning, guys. So, you don't, that's not something you want to do. You know, you want to be to the place to whereas if you were hanging out, you want to be to the place that you are a witness to that individual. Is that right? Why? Because if you're not careful, then their evil communication will corrupt your good manners. Can you see that? So, you know, so sometimes you, you know, people see, say, well, man, what are you hanging out with that person for? Well, first of all, we don't know that person, you know, God using them as a witness to that individual. Now, you may not want to hang out with them. You may not have no way of communicating. But again, God give us all different assignments. Okay, so now notice this, verse 34. There it is. Awake means to rouse one from a spiritual stupor. In other words, rouse one to this new righteousness that we have of God that has come through Jesus Christ. Good morning, guys. How y'all doing? All right. That has what? Come through Jesus Christ. So when we say awake, to righteousness, that means you're, you know, we got a store that's called Rouses, right? Same Greek word. So it means to rouse your understanding to the place to whereas that you and I are the righteousness of God. And notice this. So when he says awake to righteousness, and then notice what he said, and sin, what? Not. So that means now, I have the ability to control sinning. Amen? And why? Because you are born of God. 
right? Because you are born of God. Now you have this attribute inside of you, which is the word of God, the spirit of God. And what we're going to be talking about today is putting on wearing the armor of righteousness. Amen. So you have to put it on in order to sin not. Are you following what I'm saying? I'm going to say that to you again. You have to put this armor on to sin not. Okay? Because if that armor is not put on, then you're not going to be able to not to stop sinning. Now, you're not going to ever stop sinning. Are you getting what I'm saying? You're not going to ever stop sinning, but you're going to get to the place to whereas you're not going to be living in sin just outright. You know, some things you're going to be doing that you're not going to even be, you're not even aware that they are, that it is wrong until someone bring it to your attention and show you differently. And that's why we say awake to righteousness, meaning the righteousness of God is on a higher plateau than self-righteous. Self-righteousness is all about what? It's performance. It's based on action. It's based on looking right. It's based on doing right. But yet inside, you are full of dead men's bones. Are you getting what I'm saying? You can look right. You can do right. But that don't make you righteous. It's like me. I can park in myself in a garage, but it don't make me a car. Right? <laughs> so I think y'all got my drift right there, okay? All right, so now let's go to uh, uh, look at Ephesians chapter 2 and look at verse 8, uh, Casey. Uh, let's look at some of these verses of scriptures here. It says, for by grace are you what? Save. Save. And notice how, notice how your salvation came. How did it come? How? Through what? Faith. You see that? For by grace, meaning grace is God. It's, it's God's provision. It's God putting, giving everything that we have need of without our help, without our willingness, without our input at all. God's goodness come up on you and I, do, done for you and I what we could not do for ourselves. But the response of receiving this grace has to come through faith. It is the faith of Christ, okay? It's not a human faith. The Bible speaks of several different faiths. You got a physical, a human faith. You got uh, mental faith. And then you got the faith of Christ. So the faith of Christ, notice this. So it says through faith. What does that simply mean when it says through faith? Through faith simply saying this. Notice it. It's not of yourselves. But it is what? A gift from God. And that's what salvation is. Salvation is a gift. Okay? So when you look at the word salvation here, when we talk about the word salvation, it's a gift of God. Notice this. this let's put put uh, verse 9, uh, Casey. Not a works. Works. What is... When we say not of works, let's define that for a moment. Because the Bible said faith without works are dead. The works that with this right here is, is talking about a work of performance, a work of a debt, 
a work of some type of action. And it says, you can't do anything. This is a gift from God. It said, lest any man should boast. So that means if you can receive from God based on your merits, based on your goodness, based on your standards, then guess what? It can't be grace. Because it's got to be grace, all of grace plus nothing. Are you understand what I'm saying? It's got to be all God or nothing. It can't be God plus you. Well, God do this for me because, you know, I, you know, I gave $20,000 last month to help that church, you know, uh, uh, get, you know, pay his debt. That don't make you righteous. Now the church going to receive it. You, you, you know, you give us $20,000 a day, we're going to put it in a church account. We're going to use it. But that don't make you righteous. But righteous people give $20,000 if they, you know, if God move on, right? But we can't do it to say that I'm righteous, that God owe me something. I got something to boast about. Or I come from a traditional Baptist background. You know, you see that some of the pews in the church, you know, especially first couple of pews, you know, you may see your, your grandparent name on there. You think you tall cotton, huh? Right? And then somebody sitting on your, you know, sitting on their, on that family, on that family bench right there. Boy, look, what you, you, you know, we get them eyes in. <laughs> What'd you do? You go get that, go get the deacon to say, look, look, I'm here. Tell them they got to get out that chair. My, my grandpa, my grandparent paid for that chair. Right? That's an old tradition of Baptist church where I came out of. That's hogwash. You know, I didn't know that then, but that's hogwash. I mean, thank God that, you know, I mean, look, uh, uh, but we have these traditions that we hold on to, and this is why some people get taken because they think, okay, well, I'm righteous because, hey, I got something to boast because I bought that pew. Or I bought the sound system. Or I bought the new camera. No. We need all those things, but guess what? That don't make you righteous. I don't want no one to think that you could buy God's righteousness. You can't. And if anyone tell you that, if anyone talk you into that, you better turn away and run from them. You better have the speed of Carl Lewis. You might have to jump over a couple of cars just to get going. You understand what I'm saying? Run away from because no. All right? I mean, some people are not going to like this kind of lesson I'm doing, but I'm just telling you. Don't ever think that your money or some monetary, monetary thing that you do. I mean, you may even give a car. You may even buy a car. I mean, all of these things are great. Don't misunderstand me. But you're doing it in a manner just, you know, because out of love. You're not doing it to earn any merits. You can't earn no merits with God. God is the only life giver. You and I are the recipients of God's goodness. Yes, God's going to use people to give to you. All right? He's going to use people to do things in your life. But don't think that, you know, because this was done, well, you know, that person, I know they're going to heaven. 
Because, man, when I was at my lowest, they did this for me. And you base that, do you say they're going to go to heaven? You see why that heaven and hell is not in the hand of a man? Let me show y'all a verse of scripture here just for a moment. Look at this, 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, look not on his countenance. Now he's at the house, of, talking about the house of Jesse. He's getting ready to pick the next king. And Samuel, and notice this, are on the hike of his stature. Because I have what? I refused him. Now, that's not a man said that. That's God. Because he knew what's in the heart. Not only did he know what's in the heart, but it, he didn't have the heart of God. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks where? On the heart, the inside. You know, we could say, well, yep, you can count on me. And when it's time, they'll no show. Hmm? Are you are you following what I'm saying? All right, go back, Casey. Go back to um, Ephesians two. Now look at verse. Uh, he was at verse nine. Look at verse ten. Put this in the classic amplified version. Verse ten. I like the way this verse. Reason to amplify. For we are God's own handiwork. That means all of you in here, all that's listened by Facebook, you are God's own handiwork. Each one of us has a purpose. Each one of us has a calling. Each one of us has something to bring to the table that God, only God could have put in you. No one else could have given it to you. No one else could have done it for you. Right? Look. Create, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do what? Those good works which God, what? Predestined. Hmm? That means before you was ever thought in the womb of your mother, God already knew what he thought of you. God already knew what he had purpose for your life. Now, we, we may not walk in the fullness of it, right? But as long as we got breath in our body, you, you have opportunity to say, Lord, I, I want to make sure I'm, I'm walking in the path that you have me. And if I'm not, I give the Holy Spirit consent to reveal it in my heart and once you show me, I will change. That's simple right there, right? Notice this. Recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good work which God predestined, planned beforehand for us. Taking path which he prepared ahead of time. I mean, God got paths for you and I. Even if you and I veer off, he know how to bring you back. 
We all got little navigation system. Whether you have it, if you got a smartphone, you got a navigation system. <clears throat> How many times we pass up where we're going? What that what that little what that little little woman or whatever they say reroute? Is that right? And they begin to do what re re refigure that thing up until you take the next left five hundred feet, right? And then sometimes they ask you, do you still need the direction? <laughs> so what I'm trying to say, it will, it will do its best to bring you back to the path that you're supposed to be on. Well, that's what God's word does. God, you and I may go off path, but God will begin to start working in us, bringing us back in that path. Right? Notice this. Taking path which he prepared ahead of time. That we should walk in them, living what kind of life? See? The good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to do what? To live. So God already made a good life for you and us all to live. Right? You just got to choose his way. Notice this. But you got to get in that path. Because in that pathway is all of God's goodness for you, all of God's provision for you. Things may look, doom, may look glimpse. It may look gloomy. But if you stay in that path, I mean, it's like, take for an example, you know, uh, I don't drive that much uh, going to Shreveport. As a matter of fact, I hadn't been there in a while. But, you know, I used to drive that road all the time. I tend to uh, taking going to, uh, what, 65 going up there through Monroe and all those places, going to Shreveport. Man, that's the most boringest drive you could ever, that's a, that's a three-hour boring ride that you could ever choose. You better make sure you got somebody with you uh, or, or, <laughs> or you got some good music playing or some good teaching or something. You know, to me, it's a boring drive, okay? But, you know, uh, uh, what I'm trying to say to you that if you're not careful, then notice this: if you get out of that path, even though it may look like it's boring, I knew where I was going. I knew I had to pass through certain towns, certain uh, 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 cities, or whatever to get to Shreveport, where I was going. Now, once I got there, guess what? I forgot all about. The abandonment, you know, like especially going coming through Alexandria, you know, especially since they put that big circle up there, you know. And, you know, before that circle, that, that loop they had up there, that was that was a booming area. Where the circle, where the loop starts in Alexandria, that was it's kind of like a Lafayette. That's the reason why the people in Lafayette been fighting that that loop. Did you know how long the, there's, a, there's a plan to put a loop here in this city? Y'all didn't know that, right? That, they, they've been talking about that for, I'm talking about almost probably like 40 years. It might be longer. But they fight that. Why? Because they saw what it did in Alexandria. So it's interesting to see you know, because, you know, where that thing's supposed to be coming through. 
But sooner or later, we're going to have to have something. Because Ambassador Caffrey and Johnson and whatever other main role we got, Carlos Vera, that ain't going to get it. <laughs> is that right? No. But anyway, this is my point. God, sometimes the, the road you are, it may look boring. It may look congested. If you stay there, the provision of what you need to, for you to be successful and what God has planned for you, you will be able to reap it. Sometimes we get off course and we say we're going to take a different turn. And then that's when we mess up on God's provision. Amen. Okay, here we go. You ready for the lesson? All right. We're going to be talking about the armor of righteousness. All of this was just a foundation of building up on what we've been uh, sharing with you. Now, when we talk about the armor of righteous, last few for the last four weeks, we've been talking about living righteous. Living righteous doesn't mean by what you do. Living righteous is according to God's standard. Now, the armor of righteousness, let's put this up for a moment, Casey. Isaiah 59, we're going to use one of these as a foundation scripture. Isaiah 59, 17. Even though it's an Old Testament scripture, but it is New Testament Notice this, Isaiah 59, 17 says, For the Lord put on, what? Righteousness as what? A breastplate or coat of mail, and salvation as a helmet on his head. He put on garment of vengeance for clothing, and was clay with zeal, and furious divine jealousy as a cloak. Put it, put it in the uh, NLT. Put in NLT in NLT for a moment. I turn around, all these bodies start popping in, right? Maybe they turn back around, maybe. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> he put on righteousness as his body armor and placed the helmet of salvation on his head. He clothed himself with a robe of vengeance and wrapped himself in a cloak of divine passion. Now, let's put this in the King James. He put on righteousness as a breastplate. This is, I like the way this for me. And in helmet of salvation upon his head, and he put on the garment of vengeance for clothing and clay with zeal as a cloak. Go to Romans, I mean, not Romans, uh, Go to um, Ephesians 6 and look at verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now we're talking about putting on the armor of righteousness. Okay? So what is an armor? Um, let's define an uh, armor is used for what? For protection. Right? If you've been in the military, like we talked about earlier in the class this morning, you know, uh, there's an armor that they wear, full body armor that they wear. SWAT team, police officer, there's an armor that they put on. Uh, if you're a fireman, there's an armor that they put on to protect themselves from fire, right? 
what do the believer put on to protect themselves from the works of the devil? Okay, we have to put on what? The armor that we put on, I'll let you in on it, and we'll teach about it, is truth. Your armor is truth. Okay, but when we look at Ephesians chapter 6, it tell, there's a description that it, that, we, that it goes through of showing the truth that you and I have embraced. But Paul uses a Roman soldier uh, dressed physically, and he equate, he equate that and give it as a parable what you and I ought to put on as truth. What that Roman soldier put on to go to battle physically, we put on as a spiritual truth. That means your mind has to be renewed with the word of God. Okay? So your assault, my assault is more what? Spiritual than it is physical. Okay? Now, so here it says, we wrestle not against what? Flesh and blood. So when we talk about the armor, uh, body armor or whatnot, and we, as we said earlier, I mean, look, we were talking earlier about uh, a military guy. Uh, I, I was saying that I, I was uh, mentoring a guy in the military one time, and he showed me this armor. I thought it was 50 pounds, but uh, uh, Bobby Wright is 30 or 35 pounds, 30 pounds, something like that. And you know, it feels heavy. And what it does, they can put that on in the front of them and in the back of them, right? And it's like, when you got 30 pounds front and back, that's 60 pounds, right? So, and what else they got on that they got to walk with? So your armor could be what? What? What's the armor, full armor of a military guy could be dressed in? What the weight of it? Without the weight. Without your weight. So if you weighed 150 pounds in the military, right? Wait a minute, say that again. So that's about 60 pounds of protection. Yeah, so we got 60 pounds of armor that you have to, that you're wearing besides your body weight. Now that's going to show you what they have to, how they have to prepare themselves when they step out and put foot on the ground what they're ready for. Right? And then don't let, don't let one of the comrades go down. You got to pick him up. Uh, <laughs> you know, so think about it. Are y'all seeing this? Now, this is physically, so you could identify with that. Okay? Police officer. They, too, have body armor, right? Uh, SWAT teams, right, have body armor. 
You can identify with it, right? Okay. Now, I want you to identify the armor of the believer. We don't put none of that on. But you put on something that has much more weight, much more weighty than just the physical because why? Your fight is dealing with the realm of the spirit. Your fight is not flesh and blood. Your fight is going to be a lot of mental. Okay? And let me show you this. So it says, for the weapons of, uh, uh, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? Principality. That's your fight right there. Everything that we just spoke of before, they had to dress to fight flesh and blood. They had to be dressed to fight flesh and blood, right? Yours, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities. This is where your fight is. Powers against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness, where? In high places. These are all functioning through your thought. They're not functioning in your spirit because your spirit is sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You're born again. You're protected. Huh? But in this, your mental capacity, your soulish man, or it talk about your heart or your mind, it's not protected because it didn't, it didn't get saved. Your head didn't get saved. Your body didn't get saved, so sickness can still attack your body. Sickness can still attack you mentally, physically, right? But if you put the word, if you put this armor on, now my mortal body, my mental capacity can be preserved. Because what am I doing? I'm putting on this truth. To come against what? Principalities. What is a principality? Hmm? These are, are things that whereas you have always dealt with in your past. They're like familiar spirits. You know what familiar spirits are? They are familiar with you. You lived in them. You lived with them. You function in it. You did it. Right? Now that you're born again, you walked away from it. And it's always trying to do what? Pull you back. Right? You were a drug addict. What you think it's going to do? It's going gonna, it's gonna to find somebody who ain't never had nothing, no drugs before, always bumming. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and all of a sudden now he loaded down. You done walked away. And the enemy is trying to use it as a mean to do what? Tempt you to go back. And if you don't have this truth embedded on the inside of you and say, no, no, that person has died. I no longer live under that. Hmm? You're going to have to let the enemy know I am not the same person I was six months ago. Six years ago, 36 years ago, 50 years ago. Why? Because it don't make a difference how long you've been saved. 
The same familiar spirit will keep coming back. It may be wrapped differently, packaged differently, but it'll still be the same old. Your answer has to always be no. I rebuke you. Loser! That's what you got to say out loud to the devil. Loser! When they try to bring something to you that you done walked away from, you can look, loser! Boy, that could, that should embarrass the devil. Because he don't want to be called a loser. He is a loser. Hmm? But if you give him place in your heart, Okay, we're going to come right back to this verse of Scripture because I see y'all kind of saying, mm. All right, look at Romans chapter 6, Casey. We're going to come right back here. And look at verse 16. Well, before we go to verse 16, start at verse uh, 10. Start at verse 10. <clears throat> For in that he died... Start at verse 6. Knowing this, everybody say, knowing this. Okay, this is what you know now. That the old man is crucified. That means the part of you that was born, conceived in sin. Didn't have nothing to do with your parent. Didn't have nothing to do with your great-grandparent. Didn't have nothing to do with your generation. Or whatever, say, generate. Well, I'm just under generational curses. Well, look, Jesus dealt the way with all generational curses over 2,000 years ago. Say, so, well, what, what do I have? I unrenewed mine. So don't be letting no one speak on you. Tell me, well, you know, you still, you know, you're just under generational curse. No, you're not. Jesus dealt with the curse. Right? Christ, Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed me from where? The curse of the law. Being, verse 14, being made a curse for me. Right? Cursed is everyone that does what? Hang it on the tree. Don't see, you know, the tree was just a uh, means to show what Jesus did for us. What he did for us through his body, the tree of the cross, was the mean of which he used to set you free. You didn't catch that. The cross, don't put all the emphasis on the cross. Put your emphasis upon Christ. The cross was used as a mean to do what? To represent as a representative to do what? But Christ's body could be used to take away our sin. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. So without Christ's body, then the cross would be, it would have no power. It would be of no effect. Many people died on the cross. But our Savior, he, you know, the cross was used as a mean of showing a death that was lifted up that everyone could see. Why? Because it was interpreted in, uh, I want to say Ephesians 3, not Ephesians, Exodus. 
and then it may not be Exodus 3, but you remember where when Moses had to lift up the serpent on the pole? And the purpose of lifting that serpent on the pole because I think it's probably the seventh chapter of the book of Exodus. The children, the, uh, the children of Israel got to, no, it's the 14th chapter. The children of Israel got to murmuring and complaining. Amen. And what they were, what their murmuring and complaining come from? Because of uh, Dolphin, 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 and his gang came against Moses. And what happened? Y'all can remember this. The earth opened up and swallowed all of them, their family, Lassie, everybody. And the earth covered back up, and the children of Israel got upset. And that same angel that brought death, that, that spirit had moved, and God, it was God himself, and God was killing them all. Them serpents was already in that wilderness, but because of God's protective hand. We still talk about this arm of righteousness. Because of God's protective hand, those serpents couldn't touch him until they rebelled against God. And then Moses had to get Aaron to go and, you know, make this bronze serpent. Think about how much time it took. That was like 14,000 people died that day. And when Aaron lifted up that rod, that, that serpent, and everyone that looked upon it, they got healed. Well, that, that serpent was a type of Christ. Everyone that looked upon Christ got saved, got delivered from sin, got healed, got delivered. Are you following what I'm saying? That's the same. It uses it in the same mean of how the serpent was lifted up, the Bible said Christ himself was had to be lifted up. That was like in great shame, great, it wasn't humility, it was humiliation. But he did it for you and I. Okay? So the cross was a means of representation so that his body could be, could receive the sin that made us be separated from God. And that's why when we look at this, he said, knowing this, that the old man is crucified, mean put to death, your spirit is no longer a part of a satanic nature. Your spirit now is born of God. It has the life of God in it. Oh, you understand what I'm saying? Now, your body, your soulish man, Satan still have access to it. But he don't have access to your spirit. But if you put on this armor, which is already generated in your born-again spirit, that's why you have to put it on, then guess what? Now, he has no access to your soul. He has no access to cause sickness, to cause disease. He has no access to cause your body to just fall apart like a $2 suitcase. Or your mind to be filled with dementia or Alzheimer's. Or whatever. But you got to be taught this. You can't fight these battles on your own. Can't be taught this. 
I experienced this person with my own mom. And I'm just telling you. She didn't have she didn't have the severe case that some people have. Hers is more repetitive. But that in itself, that's a demon from hell. Now her spirit was saved. Yeah, she got a new body, she got a new mind, and she don't remember none of that stuff. But the victory is here. We live the victory of Christ on this side. And that's why I say it does matter when you go to church. Are oh, you understand what I'm saying? Her church didn't, you know, didn't teach this kind of stuff like what I'm saying. It's, like, it's okay to have this. It's okay. No, it ain't. That's a deal. That's a lie. And sometimes people think when you get a certain age, you're supposed to have this or it's, supposed to, it's okay. That's why I always park my car somewhere. Well, I got a truck now. I put it somewhere where I can get out. I ain't sitting there listening to all that. Now y'all do what y'all want. I'm just telling y'all, I'm just not. Okay? When it comes to the truth, you're going to make enemies because why? Your emotion gets stirred and people want you to be trapped in your emotion. And when you get trapped in your emotion, that's what Satan uses. He uses your emotion. And when I see a person get emotional, I just stop. I don't say nothing. I just back away. I know what that's like. So he said, knowing this, that the old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be what? Destroyed, that henceforth, what the word henceforth mean? From this point on, we should not serve sin. Well, back then, a lot of people didn't know how to fight sin. They didn't know how to renew their mind. The scripture says to put on the whole armor. Well, who knew what that meant? Who knew what that was? Hmm? Well, let's look at this verse of scripture. We're still here in Romans. Look at Romans chapter 12. Look at verse 1. Look at verse 1 and 2. A lot of things happen to us in life because of spiritual ignorance. I'm included. But we're growing in this grace now to recognize that, no, he finished it all. He did it all. It's not when I get to heaven, I won't have this no more. I won't have no more pain. I won't have no more this. No, I can enjoy it now. But it is by faith, faith is the response to what God's grace has made provision for. I have to receive it. And then the Holy Spirit is the one that begins to touch my joints, touch my head, touch my heart. Why? Because I've given him access by faith. 
Faith is the response whereby I receive it, and then the Holy Spirit is the one that goes in and do the surgery. He's the one that goes in and do the removing or the adding to, whatever is needed. The Holy Ghost is the one that does it. You can't do it. But if you don't have knowledge of it, you won't be able to enjoy it. Would you go to would they go to heaven? Did my mom go to heaven? Yep. But she didn't have the knowledge of this, what I'm talking about right here. She has some. I look at everything as a lesson learned. And one of the worst things that you could ever do as you get older is to hold regrets or hold unforgiveness or, watch this, or hold unresolved issues in your mind. Because anything that's unresolved It'll come back and bite you like a stinger because you didn't deal with it. You thought because you put it in the back of your mind it was okay. No, you better deal with it. You got to deal with it before the Holy Spirit. So you could be whole. Are y'all getting this? You don't deal with unresolved issues. Later on in life, it's going to deal with you. Okay. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you do what? Present your body, what? A living sacrifice. The problem with a living sacrifice, I can get off the altar. Notice he didn't say present yourself as a dead sacrifice. A living sacrifice has to be the act of one's own will. You have to choose to say, Lord, I died of this. When they touch me in a certain way of saying certain things, you got to get to the place. No, I refuse to say, I refuse to take that up again. I refuse to let that bother me. You have to learn scriptures, have scriptures to do what? Because it's words, the wrong kind of words that put you in that position. It's going to take the power of God's word to uproot that, to pull that out, to, for an excavation to take place, and you plant the new word of God so that it can catch root in the soulish part of you so that you can think differently. You're not going to think different just because you want to. You have to think different because you put effort into thinking different. You become a student of the word. Are you following me? I'm just not a Christian. You're not just one following God just to say, well, I'm born again and that's the extent of my, 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 my fellowship. No. You have to become, because what? Crisis in life is going to happen. You can't stop it. But my response to the crisis, I can control. By doing what? Wearing that armor of righteousness. That armor that's been given to me to protect my mind, huh? 
the thought of a thing, to make the right choice based on how I think, and the choice that I make is going to control my emotions. Now, if you, if you think wrong, you're going to choose wrong. If you choose wrong, you're going to have the wrong feelings come out. Right? Saints, what I'm saying today is is making us responsible for what God has given to us. You have to be the responsible one to wear it now, to walk in it. It's no longer just, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. You are. But to put that armor on, you have to be the one to put it on. He made you righteous, but are you going to wear it? You have to wear it. And that armor that you wear is all about truth. When you know the truth, what does it rub you wrong? Because sometimes it can, the truth can rub you wrong. Hmm? The truth can make you uncomfortable. And that's a good thing. Because now you can confront that thing and say, no, you're not going to put me in this position. I'm not shutting off. Just by the idea, just by the mere fact of you trying to make me shut down. Amen? Watch this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you do what? You present. So you have to do this. Your body, a living sacrifice. How do you do that? Lord, I present my body every day as a living sacrifice. So what I do? I get up, I read scriptures, or I pray in the spirit. I pray in the spirit for a certain amount of time. Sometimes I do it for an hour. Sometimes I do it for an hour, 45 minutes. Sometimes I do it for 30 minutes. Sometimes I don't do it at all. Sometimes I'm, 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 if I'm studying on the subject or something on my heart, I meditate on that. Praying the Spirit through that. What am I doing? I'm presenting my body as a living sacrifice. However, the Spirit of God, whatever He needs to do, <clears throat> whatever He needs to try, He's trying to get over to me. I'm presenting myself in a manner that I can receive the upgrade. You know, we, you know, most of us in here got iPhone, whatever device you got. It has, a, it has updates, right? Well, the, the iPhone just had a new update, number 17. That's all I know. <laughs> but it, it has a new update, right? And, and you look at, and they got some things in there, you know, uh, that's, that's, that's totally different now in that new update. Now you can, you, one of the things is, you can, if you got an iPhone, you, might, you probably won't be careful, but if you got an iPhone, you, you can take your little iPhone. Uh, Brother George, you got an iPhone? You see, you can take, he can take a little iPhone. We can both take our iPhone, and we can put it to each other and share. Isn't that crazy? Huh? I mean, this thing can do a lot of things that it couldn't do. Just to upgrade. I mean, just to updates. Okay? I mean, I didn't know I could take... I just learned this the other day that my little uh, earbud, it can uh, 
uh, it has a dapple, whatever. In other words, if I'm talking, if I'm listening to the word or listening to music, and I start talking, it will stop. It will stop playing the music. When I'm finished, it will come back up. Did y'all know that? Or y'all knew that already? I'm, I'm knowing it. <laughs> look, I look like I learned something new, and y'all look and say, where you been? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's it. That's another thing that somebody was saying. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> listen, guys. All I'm saying, I just use that to show. The phone have to have an update. Well, I'm just trying to tell you, your soul got to have an update. And I'm just trying to update your soul. Not your phone, but your soul. Amen. Y'all know all about that phone. Y'all look at me. He's just not learning that. Oh, look, he's so far behind. <laughs> I don't pay attention to none of that stuff. <laughs> Until I got the update and I just realized, whoa, what's all this? I don't mess with all that stuff. See, when you don't know something, you don't, you're not comfortable with something, you don't, you don't open all that stuff up. We like to have it, but I ain't open all that up. Is that right? Yeah. And you, just, you don't have no choice. You can't, no matter what phone you have today, whether it's an Android or an iPhone, all them, all those things got all them little fancy futures, Right? So you don't open up what you don't what you don't want what you don't want to be messing with. Praise God. Now notice this. So Paul said, "I beseech you, therefore, brethren, what by the mercies of God." Now you know he's talking about Christian. That you, who have to do it, you present your body what a living sacrifice, not a dead one, a living. That means an act of your will, holy, see, holy. That means to be like God. Holiness is not a root. Holiness is a fruit. It's not based on what you look outwardly. It's, 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 it's you wearing the life of Christ, allowing that life in you to flourish that everyone can see what's on the inside of you. Okay, next, next verse. And be not what? Conform where? To this world. To be conformed means what? Don't be fashioned after it. You and I are different. So this is your part, verse 1 and 2. This is what you and I have to do. Not to be conformed or fashioned after, but be what? Transformed. So to be transformed, the word transformed means to what? Change. A butterfly goes through a full, full, a full 
stages of change before it becomes a butterfly. First of all, it becomes a little caterpillar, a little worm. I had one on my truck the other day. I just cleaned my truck. I said, get off there, you. Boom. <laughs> it took a long time for me to clean that truck. You know what I'm saying? Get off there, you. But anyway, but what a worm does, that, that worm is going to try to do what? That caterpillar is going to do what? It's going to wedge itself in something, a tree bark or whatever, maybe the, the, the face of your house, and if you notice, you got all these little webs, little white, it's like a little white web. And you can't really just see. And that thing becomes a cocoon. And it sits there for 28 to 30 days, or maybe 32 days, and you got yourself a butterfly. But at first, it is what? What's the first thing that takes place in, you know, the first thing is what? The egg, right? And then you have what? What's the next stage? Anybody know? The larvae? Huh? No, the larvae, the egg, and then what? The pupil. Come on, y'all know the full state? Somebody looked that up for me. I hadn't done this in, this is entomology. I, done, I had this in, in, in entomology school. You had, what's the first? Somebody looked that up for me. And, but it has four stages. I want to call it right. I don't want to. It did four stages. It's, it's an egg. It's a, it's a pupil. It's a larva. And then you have the adult. Okay? The adult. And what happens is, is that when it becomes an adult, then all of a sudden you had a little bit of butterfly that comes out. Why? It went through a complete stage, but it took 28 to 32 days before it did. What I'm trying to show you, change, be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. It takes what? It takes about 30 days, 30 days for you to do what? To have a changed mindset. It doesn't mean your mind is changed. You have to continue to keep hearing it and hearing it and hearing it until it brings about a position that you can change your thought. It takes about 120 days before the thought, before you that new thought can become a part of you. Amen? And then it and then it continues to go on until that thought now begins to grow up on the inside of you like a tree. Of, they're sitting beside rivers of river and water, which is the word of God itself. And then all of a sudden, you start speaking out of that new life, that new thought that you've been thinking on, that you've been feeding on. Hmm? Same thing about music. People listen, if you listen to music that always full of profanity, always uh, uh, degrading the opposite sex or whatever, then guess what? That's all you, you're going you're gonna to start speaking in that way. Why? Because what? You're constantly hearing something that is doing what? It's putting you in that frame of mindset. What's well, the same thing about the word of God? What if you just keep listening to the word every day? You got the teaching of God's word going in your ear. All the time. Well, guess what? Sooner or later, things you didn't hear, going to catch. Say, oh, man, I didn't catch that. 
And then all of a sudden you're going to say, wow, that is, man, look, that's so true. I got to stop that. Well, what happened? You didn't catch it the first 10, 15 times you heard it. Because some of our mind is so far out there, we got so much stuff going on, and then you got to keep hearing it and hearing it and hear until it what until it break down the husk, the outward part of all that you've been carrying, all the the attitude, the behavior, the ways you've been you been picked up on. It have to break all that down before you can receive the seed of God's word to give life. Because you at the beginning you're gonna want to you're gonna want to refuse it. You don't want to fight it. Oh, that's not me. Oh, that's not for me. That's for the weak people. Huh? Is that right? Amen. I'm all that. I received the word. Amen. Amen. So be, be not conformed to this world, but be ye what? Transform how? By what? Renewing of the mind. The word renew, one of the words for renew means to demolize, to demo, to to, to uh, what do you go, what do you call that? Uh, uh, to have a demolition party, you know what I mean? To to uh, to demolish. What are you demolishing? I mean, just think about if we wanted to add, if we wanted to break this, you know, we want to open this up. What do we have to do? Tear this wall down, right? Well, that's what you're doing. You got to tear down some walls of containment thoughts. Because this new attitude, this new idea I'm speaking of, it won't, notice this, it can't penetrate because that old dude of old way of thinking is saying, nope, nope, I'm not coming down. This wall has to come down with a force. It ain't going to come down because I do that. It ain't going to come down because I say, in the name of Jesus, come down. It's still up. You got to knock it down. Now, in the book of Joshua, Jericho, the walls of Jericho did come down because God gave instruction. But I'm talking about using this as a part of your thought life. You're going to have to knock this wall down. Because that wall will keep you from not receiving the fullness of God. Hmm? Put this in, in the classic Amplified case, that verse right there. Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapt to its external superficial custom. But be ye what? Transform, change, how? By the entire renewal of what? Your mind by what? It's new ideals and new attitude, and that's the key. It has a new attitude, a new idea. That's what this righteousness is about. It's about bringing you to God's right standing, what His idea, what His attitude, and until you do it like He said, until you walk in these truths like Christ in you, you're not going to get the results. You're going to still be a knucklehead. Hmm? Look, so that you may prove for yourself what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Even that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight. So how will I be able to prove his approve uh, for myself? 
He said, so that you may prove for yourself what is that good. So you can't prove what is good until you do the first part of that verse. Yeah, you think that's something? Watch this. Put it in the message. Look at that verse in the message. We probably have to quit. Let's see. Yeah. So here what I want you to do. <laughs> Isn't that, that sound like Southwest Louisiana, huh? God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walk, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Boy, isn't that good? See, your everyday mundane life, put it before God as an offering, embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Right? Don't become so well adjusted to your culture. Oh, look at that. That you fit into it without even thinking. Well, you know, the culture changed. We got to, we got to, you know, we got to get, you know, fit in the new culture. Are you kidding me? I'm not fitting in nothing. I'm, I'm already fit. I'm in Christ. Amen. And if you're a believer, guess what? You fit where? In Christ. Notice this. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on what? On God. You will be changed from the inside out. Ooh, did you see that? You'll be changed where? From the inside out. That sounds like a microwave, doesn't it? What the microwave does? Fix your food. I mean, it heats it up from what? From the inside out, right? That's what the word is doing. It says, readily recognize. No, where am I? Okay, you'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to his level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develop well-formed maturity in you. Isn't that good? Now that's, a, that's just a translation. That's an interpretation of Romans 1 and 2 using, using the word of God, right? Now, let me close with this. My point in all of this is that if you're going to live, if you're going to put this armor on, you have to change the way you think. You cannot let this society, this culture, you cannot let your religion or tradition to put you in a place where you be trapped. Now go back to Romans chapter 6, Casey, and look at verse 6 again, and we'll close with this. So it says, knowing this, that the old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Now you see why we shouldn't serve sin? Because we have what? A renewed mindset, right? Look at this. For he that is dead is what? Free from sin. How is that? How is it that you're free from sin? It's because your spirit is born of God. That's the part of you that's free from sin. 
Okay? Verse uh, Next verse. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we should also what? Live with him. Is that right? So God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him how? In spirit and in truth. That's John 4, 24, right? And, you know, John 6, 63 said, The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life unto those that find them, right? So next verse. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead, he died no more. Death has no more dominion over him. That means over his spirit. Sin, uh, the law of sin and death has no more dominion over you and I. Because we have the life of Christ. Jesus, notice this, Christ being raised from the dead, died no more. In other words, the type of death that he died, yes, it was dual. It was both uh, spiritual and physical. But it does, the spiritual death came before the physical death. Okay? Anybody know why? Anybody know why the spiritual death had to come before the physical? Because what? He wasn't a sinner. He had to give himself. He was made a substitute for sin, and the Father had to put the nature of our sin on him. I mean, God did all this on a maybe. Brother Joe, maybe you will serve me. Maybe they will love me. Maybe they will receive my... All this is on a maybe. God didn't take twist nobody on. You gonna serve me. Right? No. God did this willingly. Lovingly. Huh? Watch this. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead died no more, death has no more dominion. So if death doesn't have any dominion over him, then guess what? Death don't have no dominion over you. Hmm? Next verse. For in that he died, he died where? Under sin, how many times? Once. Once. That means all your sin has already been forgiven. Past, present, and future tense. God is not coming down here again and make himself a sin substitute for you and I. This is why you have to put on that armor of righteousness and not get caught in the culture today that want you and I to adapt to its new external superficial custom. The devil is a lie. Is that right? The devil didn't create the heavens and the earth. The Bible said God created the heaven and the earth. Is that right? Okay, a couple more verses. Likewise, everybody say likewise. likewise. See, watch this. Reckon ye also yourself to be dead indeed to sin. What? 
That's your spirit. It is. It's dead to sin. It cannot sin. I didn't say your soul can't sin. I didn't say your body can't sin. But that's why we're talking about putting on this armor so that you can sin not. So you can stop the sinning. You can stop with, you know, the more knowledge, the more understanding of these truths. You're able to put off the thing that used to so easily begot you and I. But now that we're putting on this armor, we are more ready to say, nope, I'm not giving in to that. Nope. In the name of Jesus, I cast that thought down. Well, what are you doing? Because now I don't have to engage in that. I have to make a decision to engage in it if I do. Right? Can y'all see that? So likewise, reckon ye yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but what? Alive unto God. How? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And look at this verse here. Let not sin therefore do what? Reign or rule in your mortal body. That you should obey it in the lust thereof. What does it say? Let not sin do what? Reign. Where? In your body. It's telling you now let not sin do it. Look at this. Look at this verse here. Keep going, Casey. Neither yield your members as an instrument of unrighteousness to sin. So you have to you have to engage. You have to willfully on your own engage your bodily members, your mind, your mouth, your ears, your eyes, your hand. You have to you have to willfully engage yourself into unrighteousness. Because now you have a decision. You don't have to. Because sin no longer have dominion over you because your spirit is born of God. Now I can control my emotion. Hmm? Can y'all see the difference now? But yield yourself unto God as those that are what? Alive from the dead, as spiritual death, and your members as instruments of what? Righteousness under God. So you have to yield your body as an instrument unto God for righteousness. That means you have to be willing to let God live life through you as an instrument. What if they insult you? What if they call you a dirty name? Hmm? You dead. A dead man don't receive insults. He don't respond to insult. What if we went to the morgue right now and we start talking to that dead man? You think he's gonna respond back? If he does, we all gonna Right? He's not going to respond. Why? He's dead. Well, that's how you're supposed to be in your body, in your soul. Your spirit already put you there. Now you have to think in the light of your new creation. I'm not going to allow that thought 
to get to me. Now that's 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 work on your part. That's you putting on that righteousness. That's you putting on that armor, that protectiveness, the helmet of salvation. I'm not going to allow anything to penetrate my mind that I don't need to. I'm not going to watch things on TV that would put me back in a, in a place for, uh, to be tempted. That's the responsibility of the righteous. Hmm? Are you following what I'm saying? I'm going to use my mouth as the sword of the spirit. I'm going to make a stand for what is right. If my body get attacked, get attacked in the name of Jesus, I command you to pain stop. I can do that. Right? Or if something's trying to come against me, I can take my words and begin to say, every fiery dart of the wicked one, I can do what? I can quench it with the shield of faith, with the word of God. I don't receive that. In the name of Jesus. See the responsibility. To act right. To live right. Is going to be on you. You're wearing it now. Neither yield your members as instrument of unrighteousness. Unto sin. But yield yourself unto God. That's a decision. You must make. I must make. Every day. All during the day. You got to make that decision not to yield yourself unto the devil, but unto God. And finally, watch this. But yield yourself unto God as those that are what? Alive from the dead. People can't see your new birth. They can't see that you're born again, but they can see what you're wearing. They can see the love. They can see that joy. Huh? They can see that peace. They can see that loving kindness. They can see it, but they can't see you born again. But they can see healing. Hmm? As those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of what? Of righteousness Unto God. Notice it. Your members as instruments. You have to yield your mind, your will, your emotion as an instrument. Unto God. So that means it's not going to just happen. You have to apply it. You got to give yourself to it. The responsibility is just not on God. The responsibility for you and I to wear this armor to, of righteousness is on you and I. But it is through Christ Jesus. You have to make a consecrated decision. I'm going to wear my armor in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Did you receive the word today?